1887, there was a guy born whose name was William Borden. And uh, William Borden was very, very wealthy. His family was like filthy rich. And um, at 16 years old, his mom and dad flew him all around the world for his 16th birthday. So he went to like Asia, the Middle East, he went to Europe. And um, William Borden saw the world and the brokenness all over. And as a 16-year-old, he came home and he said, broken for the world, he said, I believe God wants me to be a missionary. And all of his rich family and friends thought to them, they said, dude, this guy's throwing his life away if he goes to be a missionary. Like he's got so much potential to do all these other things. He could be a business owner. He could be a big like political guy. Like he could do so many things with his family and friends, but they said he's throwing his way life to go be a missionary. And this guy wrote down in his Bible in this season, he wrote down two words and it said, no reserves, no reserves, no holding back. He goes to college at Yale University. Yale's like super prestigious that time. And um, he goes to Yale. And in his freshman year, this guy is like a spiritual giant on his college campus. Just like loving Jesus with everything he's got. And in the middle of his college careers, he is starting prayer groups and Bible studies all over his campus. All over. So much so that by the time he's a senior, out of the 1,300 students, the 1,300 students on his campus, 1,000 out of that 1,300 were in prayer groups and Bible studies all over campus their senior year. That's a lot of impact. This guy was sold out all in for Jesus, whether that meant he was 16 at his high school or whether he was a student at his university. This guy was going to live for Jesus. He gets to the end of his college days and he's, got, he's graduated and he's got offers from tons of big, business, big businesses like inviting him with really great high-paying jobs and he turns every single one of them down because he felt that the Lord was calling him to go to the nations, to be a missionary. And he writes in the back of his Bible once more, he puts not just no reserves, he puts no retreats, meaning there's nothing that I'm going to fall back on for a job. I'm all in with doing missions for the Lord. He even wrote in his journal one time, he said, following Jesus means saying no to myself and saying yes to Jesus every time. Following Jesus means saying no to myself and saying yes to Jesus every time. It's the idea that he must increase, but I must decrease. So then he leaves college, and he's going to go to China to be a missionary. But on the way to China, he's going to go to Egypt first to learn Arabic so he can best do ministry for the Muslim people. So he's left his wealth, he's left his family, he's left maybe even friends, all to go serve the Lord where he would call him to, all the way across the world in China. He goes to Egypt, he's studying Arabic, and while he's there, he gets incredibly sick. And at age 25, William Borden dies. William Borden died. And people, it was, uh, I can't remember the name of the disease, I wish I could tell you, but he died. 
And here's the deal. He wrote in the back of his Bible two more words. No reserves, no retreats, and he said no regrets. This is a guy who had left so many things in this world to follow Jesus. And at the end of his life, he said every bit of it has been so worth it. The world may look at that and think, what a waste. Why did he go here? Why did he go there? Why would he sacrifice so much to do this? In the eyes of the Lord, this guy was a giant. Tonight, if you're titling your notes, you can put the reward in the Lord. The reward in the Lord. I told you I'm going to be quick tonight. I'm not trying to short change this message at all. I'm just going to be real with you guys. This is one of my favorite passages in the entire New Testament. It's a passage that the Lord used to call me into ministry when I had to surrender so many things in my life that I thought were going to be the most important things in my, my life to lay them down and say I'm all in for the Lord where he's got me and whatever's ahead. It's Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 30. Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 30. The story begins, but there's this guy. He's a young guy. He's really rich. A young guy who's really rich. And he is a ruler in the land. And he walks up. There's probably a big crowd around at this time. He walks up and finds Jesus. And he walks up to him and he says, Good teacher. Which already is a very deluded view of who God is. It's not really capturing who Jesus is, but he calls him good teacher. He says, good teacher, what must I do? What must myself, this rich young ruler guy, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be saved? What must I do to go to heaven? What must I do to be in your circle, Jesus? What must I do to have that? Which is a good question, right? Have y'all ever thought that? What do I need to do to get saved, right? What do I need to do to go to heaven? Have you ever thought that before, anybody? Just me and you and you. Thank you. All right, three of us in the room have thought that before. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Now everyone's like, yeah, well, me, yeah, for sure. I've thought about it many times, especially as a student. When I was a kid or when I was in middle school, I was thinking, what do you have to do to get to heaven, man? And that's what this guy is asking Jesus and Jesus says to him, he says, why do you call me good? Why do you, and he's not being like mean or hateful. He's saying, why do you call me good? You know no one is good except God alone. Jesus is immediately trying to show this man that nobody is good. The only one who is righteous, who has the right to enter into eternal life with God, is God alone. No one is is able to live righteous. And he goes through and says this, you know the commandments. He says, the guy says, you know the commandments. He says, do not commit adultery, which is sexual immorality. It is when a husband and wife, one of them is unfaithful with one another and they go and they cheat on the other. That is adultery. Do not commit adultery. And Jesus says it's not about physical adultery only. If you lust with your eyes, you have already committed adultery. You've already made the mistake. He says next, do not murder. And he may be thinking, well, I've never killed anybody. Well, what Jesus says in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 5, if you hate your brother or sister in your heart, then you have already committed murder in your heart. 
He says, do not steal. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness, which means do not lie. And then the last one, this is the one that I think there's no way anybody can say, well, I haven't done this one right. This one, it says, honor your mother and father. Everybody's like, yeah, that one. You know, I was doing good on the murder one, but that one got me, you know? That father and mother one got me. Yeah, lying too. Yeah, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. The, Jesus is literally going through these commandments that are in the Ten Commandments, right? Y'all know this, right? Y'all with me? Jesus is pointing these out not to be like, yo, like, like you got to be perfect, do all these things. What he's trying to show the man is that you're not perfect, that you've made mistakes. That's what he's challenging him on. That's where he's going at this guy. And this is what the rich young ruler does. As he's pointing out the fact, as he's trying to highlight, you are a sinner and you need to be saved. That's the only way you get to heaven is through the blood of Jesus, through the sacrifice of Jesus that will take you out of being in the camp of wickedness to be moved into the camp of righteousness by placing your faith in Jesus. That's the only way to get there. And this guy has a very, he has a deluded view of who Jesus is, but he also has a very deluded view of who he is. Because this is what he says to Jesus. All these I have kept since my youth. All these I've kept since my youth, man. He tells Jesus, he says, yeah, I've done all that stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. And instead of Jesus going back and being like, no, nah, man, you're yeah, not, nah, bro. Listen, I know, all right? Instead of him going like that, what he does instead is he says, one thing you still lack, and this is the hard part, man. I'm going to be honest. Jesus really calls this man to do something that at first face value looks really challenging. He says, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Right here, guys, listen. This... This may sound like it's just Jesus talk, like it's just the Bible or it's just like a verse in Scripture. You may have heard this before. Guys, I'm telling you, this sentence right here, sell all that you have, distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, come and follow me, is an invitation from Jesus. It is, it's, it's like, this is the treasure right here. Jesus is looking this man eyeball to eyeball and saying, listen, man, if you'll just get rid of all that stuff that you treasure, that sits on the throne of your heart, that you think about all the time, that you love all the time, that you're chasing after so much, this kingdom that you've built, if you'll just get rid of that and come and follow me and pursue my kingdom and allow me to sit on the throne of that heart, to be the king, to be the Lord of your heart. He says, listen, dude, you're going to have... Beyond blessings than you could ever imagine chasing your own kingdom. He's inviting him. He says, come and follow me. Be in my circle. Be in my camp. Sit front row for when I feed the 5,000 and when I'm also doing the miracles walking on water. Sit on the front row for these things. See it with your own eyes. Not just see it, but be a part of it. Come and Follow and imitate what I do, you will do even greater. That's the invitation from Jesus here. It's, this is like, this is what you're paying for the show. This is it right here, this invitation. 
And the rich young ruler, man, he just doesn't get it, bro. He sees this and he looks at Jesus and what he says, what you have to offer is not worth what I can do on my own. And it says the rich young ruler walks away sad because he was unwilling to make Jesus Lord of his life. He wanted to stay the king of his kingdom. That makes sense? Yeah, why would he do that? You're sitting here thinking the same thing. Why would he do that? He was standing with Jesus. Why would he reject that? You know what Jesus says? He says it's so difficult for someone with a lot of wealth to enter the kingdom of God. He says it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle. Y'all heard that before? Easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to be saved. And what he's saying is not that rich man bad. That's not what he's saying. He's not like if you got a lot of wealth, like, well, I don't know what to tell you. That's not what he's saying at all, Okay? What he's saying is this invitation to surrender the things that you love so much, the things that you have hanging on to so much, your kingdom that you built, that is so difficult to release and to follow Jesus because you have such a difficult, tight hold on it and you love it so much, you don't see the value in what Jesus can give you. You're blinded by your kingdom that you can't see the greater kingdom on the other side. So the people around them hear them. like They're like, okay. like People start chatting. And they're like, if the rich young ruler can't get into heaven, then who can get into heaven? Who can be saved? That's what they say right here. And this is what Jesus says. He says, with man, it is impossible. But with God... It is possible. What he's saying is, you're right. You can't get in heaven on your own. You can't buy your way to heaven. You can't rule your way into heaven. You can't do enough to get into heaven by being good like you see in the beginning. He says the only way to get into heaven is through Jesus alone. And Peter, who sees this rich young ruler who rejects God, Peter speaks up. And this is my favorite. Man, I love this scene. This is this pocket of verses is what the Lord really used to break me of a lot of things that I used to hold on to so dearly in my kingdom. Verse 28. Can we go to verse 28 real quick? And Peter said to Jesus, See, we have left our homes and followed you. See, we have left our homes and followed you. You remember that scene when Peter, Peter had been fishing all night. He's doing his thing. He's in the boat and he's cleaning his nets. And Jesus walks up and he's like, hey, man, let down your net for a little bit longer. Like, throw it down the other side of the boat. And Peter's like, man, we've been fishing all night. We ain't caught nothing. Like, we're professionals. And you're like a, you know, like a teacher, you know. But he's like, all right, we'll do it because you say so. And he throws the net down and bam, they hit the jackpot. I mean, there's like... Fish jumping all over, they're pouring in. They got caught in James and John, sons of Zebedee. Like, come on over here and help us. They bring their boats over and they're filling the boats up. The boat's starting to sink. Fish are flopping around. It stinks because it's fish, you know. It's just, it's just wild, you know. All this is going on. And they're like, Peter realizes that although he just hit the jackpot with fish, although he finally has man, made a way from being fried for his family, he might be the best fisherman in town. He's got a story to tell, all this stuff. He says, I don't care about any of this. He falls on his face on the ground in front of Jesus because he realizes the real power, the real joy, the real wealth in front of him is not in the fish, but it's in the person in front of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus says to him, come and follow me. And Peter leaves it all. Leaves the boat, leaves the fish, 
leaves his home, he packs his bags, and he walks with Jesus, following Jesus for the rest of his life. That's what he does. And he says to Jesus right here, we left our homes and everything to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus responds, this is oh, so good, man. I just love this passage, so good. Verse 29, Jesus says, truly I say to you. And what he's saying is like, you can trust me on this one, okay? Like this, like this is money in the bank, okay? This is good to go. What I'm about to tell you ought to deserve an amen at the end. That's what he's saying. Like this is, this is legit, you can trust me. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left their house, their wife, their brothers, their parents, their children for the sake of the kingdom. Let me, let me before I go any further. When he's saying leaving these things, he's not saying like a parent leaving their family and not longer being in the picture. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, yeah, you've sacrificed not being in your home. You've sacrificed maybe time with your family. Like William Borden did, he left his mom and dad in, at the end of college to go be a missionary for the sake of the kingdom. That's a cost thing. That's, a, that's a, a, like a payment in the middle of following Jesus. You gotta make, like, I'm gonna trust the Lord, I'm gonna give that up, and I'm gonna surrender that and follow the Lord. That's what he's talking about here. He's not saying that you're like abandoning your family. He's saying, I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna follow the Lord. And if that means I'm far away from my family, if that means I'm far away from my home, if that means I'm giving up things, so be it. I'm all in for the sake of the kingdom. That's what he's saying. Y'all with me there? Does that make sense? Okay. He says, whoever does that, anyone who does that, this is what he says, verse 30, this is so good. Jesus says, anyone who will leave all these things for the sake of me, for the sake of the kingdom, they will receive many more times in this time, in this life, and in the one to come. You're like, what does that mean? Jesus says, I know following me is going to cost you a lot. I know. I know it's going to cost you a lot. And it's going to be hard at times. And it's going to be difficult. He says, but dude, I'm telling you, Peter, straight up. If you do that... Whatever you lose, whatever you give up, whatever you sacrifice on this side and surrender, he says, when you follow me, I'm going to give you twice as much in this life and the one to come. I'll give you twice as much in this life and the one to come. I'm looking over here. I'll go to Max real quick. Max over here is a guy in our... Oh, my goodness. He's in our ministry... He goes to Briarcrest, right? Max is a stud athlete, loves the Lord big time. I'm just popular with his friends, man, hangs out, all this kind of stuff. And I don't, I don't know much about, I just know Max is, every time we do a camp, Max does everything he can to bring friends with him to camp. And I appreciate it every single time. I have no idea what God's going to do in Max's life. Nor do I have any idea what he's going to do in your life or your life or your life. I have no idea. But I know there's things in Max's life that he treasures and holds on very dearly. It could be the fact that he's got a lot of friends. It could be the fact that he's got a good name at his school. It could be the fact that he loves being right here with his family every single time. He goes anywhere. I have no idea what it is, but I'll tell you this right now. Following Jesus for Max is going to require him to surrender something in his life. He's going to have to lay something down at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I'm going to give this up I'm going to surrender this to you 
because what you have to offer is better than anything I can work up or build up in my own kingdom. I'm going to trust you as Lord. Max is going to have to work through that and think through that through his whole life. And he may do that well in middle school, and it may get really hard in high school. Or he may do it well in high school, and he may get to college, and he's really torn. But what to do with his life or what the Lord is calling him to do in that season. And he's going to have to wrestle through, how am I going to juggle and do this? What am I going to lay down and trust the Lord and say, God, I'm going to make you Lord in the middle of this and trust you here. Every one of you are walking through that same exact decision if you're a follower of Jesus. Because I'm going to be honest, the journey doesn't get easier as you go. Like it's just a cakewalk after middle school. That's not the case. You're going to be put through more and more challenges and you've got to decide, are you going to take the risk of following Jesus to gain the reward that comes from it? Or are you going to reject the invitation to follow Jesus with your life and try to build your own kingdom? Because if you do the second, if you reject the invitation from Jesus, you're going to walk away like the rich young ruler, sad because your kingdom you built is going to lack and instead of what God could have built for you in your life in front of you. Like following Jesus by surrendering whatever's in front of you, surrendering what you hang on to so dearly, I promise is so much more worthy, so much more rewarding when you do that. I talked to a girl when I was in the Philippines. She was gotten saved a couple days before, and we were doing a baptism. And she told me straight up, she said, if I go get baptized, like my family and my culture will literally no longer allow me any part of our family and home. Like I won't be able to have a job anymore. I won't be able to be a part of living in my home anymore. I won't be able to get buried when I die in the same funeral area as my family. Like all that. I will be disconnected from my family if I go move from my religion to being a Christian by, by showing that to the public through baptism. Like that will ruin my life. She said, I can't be baptized. And you're like, hey, it's, it's not, that's fine. That's for you to work through. You do your thing. That's no big deal. I know you're a follower of Jesus. I know you love the Lord. Baptism doesn't save you, but it does give a testimony that you're a follower of Jesus. So the next day we go to do baptisms and we're doing all our stuff, getting ready. And I promise you, as we're about to start baptism, she pulls up on a taxi motorcycle. She gets off and she walks up and we are ecstatic. What are you doing here? And she says, I know that following Jesus may cost me everything. She said, but he's so worth following. My friend in college, I can't tell you his name for security reasons, but he was a dear friend of mine. He came to our Thanksgiving one year, and he was, he was Muslim. Muslim, guy who believes in uh, uh, the Islamic religion. He came to our Thanksgiving, hung out with us. He, we started playing soccer together with all of his friends from all over his country. It was amazing, so fun. But I remember... He over and over kept asking me, why are you a Christian? Why do you go on missions? Or why do you do these things? I kept telling him about who Jesus was. And eventually, he came to me and he said, I want to follow Jesus. He got saved right then and there on a Friday morning lunchtime. It was so cool. And I'm telling you this right now. He, when he made a decision to follow Jesus, he got baptized right after that. When he did that, his family disowned him. His dad wouldn't speak to him for years. His mom would cry about it on the phone that he was a Christian now. 
And then he had to move from Memphis back to his home country to live there. And he told me, I'm the only, I was talking to him this past week on FaceTime a couple mornings ago. And he said, he's still in this spot. He is the only Christian he knows in his entire country. The only Christian he knows. And it's cost him his family. It's cost him his openness to be a Christian in his country. It's cost him the fact that he doesn't have any friends in that country. All these things. But he says it's so worth it to follow Jesus. Why? Because I know it's costing him a lot to follow and make Jesus Lord of his life. But the reward that comes from it is far greater than anything he's ever experienced in his life. He says, the joys I have from following Jesus far match anything. He said, I would give my life. I would die today if that's what God called me to do. I just want to live for him. That's this kind of living. And I'm challenging you. You guys are prime. You guys are in your middle school years to grow and walk with the Lord. I'm challenging you as a student body. Will you surrender the things in your heart, count the costs, and follow the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not going to reject you as Lord of my life, but I'm going to receive you and follow you with everything I got. Peter said, I've left my home. And Jesus says, yes, you have. I've seen you. I've seen the cost that you've made to follow me. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to bless you and reward you today, tomorrow, and in eternity. Does that make sense? That's so simple. I'm not, I don't have a lot of points or outlines for that. That's all it is. Jesus is inviting you. He's inviting you like he did with the rich and He sat down and said, sell, distribute, Come and follow me. He's inviting you today. What in your life do you need to sell, to give away, to leave behind, and to follow Jesus? What is it? Is it the music you listen to that you know is not okay? Is it the movies you're watching? Is it the fact that you're sneaking behind your parents and using a app on your phone that you know your parents don't want you to be on? Is the fact that you constantly are dishonoring or arguing with a mom or a dad? Is the fact that you're fighting with a sibling you know that doesn't honor your parents as well? Like, what is in your life that you are hanging? Is it the fact that you only care about being popular or accepted in your school or online? Like, is that what it is? What is it that God is inviting you to say, sell and distribute and come and follow me and I promise you, you will find the rewards in this life and the one to come that will far match anything you can ever do. What is that? Only you can answer it. For me, when I was in eighth grade, it was popularity. I'm telling you straight up. I wanted nothing more to be the most popular kid in the school. That's what I wanted. And I remember... Eighth grade year, the Lord said, are you going to make my name famous or your name famous? And I struggled through that big time. And that was a moment in my life where I had to take my wants and desires to remove them from the throne of my heart, push them to the side and say, Lord, I want to make you famous. I want to live for you. That was hard. I lost friends. I quit sports teams. I went to school and... The friends I used to run with at the cafeteria and the classrooms, I had to distance myself from because they were so not helping me walk with Jesus. I started carrying my Bible to school. Like, like who does that? And I would sit in my class when I finished homework and I'd open my Bible up and I'd just start reading my quiet time that day or reading through different scriptures. Like, that wasn't cool. But I just wanted to follow the Lord. I just want to live for the Lord. I would sit at the lunch table with the, the people that were, didn't have anyone to sit with. 
just because I wanted to be a friend to them. I wanted to encourage them. I don't know what it is for you, but for me, that was where I was at in middle school. Only you can navigate what it is for you. Here's all I want to do. I want to bring up someone real quick. I want to bring up, where's Haley at? Is she around real quick? Haley, come on up. We got a microphone for her. Grab a microphone real quick, Haley. Grab one right there. Haley, come here real quick. I want to ask you a question. Haley is one of our high school students. She was a leader in our student ministry big time when she was here. I'll walk up on stage with you. Come up here. Haley uh, is awesome, big time. And uh, I think very highly of her as one of our students who come to our ministry. I want to ask her a question. When was it when you made Jesus the Lord of your life? When, when did you get saved? Boom, there you go. Okay. Um, so when I was like six years old, I originally, like I thought that was when I got saved. Um, I was just like really little, but I didn't understand exactly what all that meant to be saved um, and to follow Christ all the way. Um, and it got to a point where I was just tired and I'd had enough of just living this like fake Christian life of like following the Lord. And I was just so tired of myself. I just remember telling myself like, Haley, enough is enough. Like, mm -hmm. what are you doing? Like, we need to actually get like on the right path, like with the Lord. And so when I was 12 years old, um, I was in fifth grade. Um, that's when I really committed to following the Lord. I came downstairs to my mom's room, <laughs> or mom and dad's room, and we, me and my mom talked for a little while. Um, and I ended up recommitting my life to Christ. But that is the point where I really started chasing the Lord head first. And since yeah. then, I mean, I've just been chasing after him. That's I got cool. baptized this summer, which is really exciting. But um, so that's when I really committed my life to Christ. That's cool. So when you got saved, I want to ask another question then. What do you think it means... Because these are asking this question. What does it mean to make Jesus Lord of your life? What does that mean? So for me, it meant um, to allow the Lord to be present in everything that I do in all aspects of my life. He doesn't call us to be a halfway Christian or a halfway anything. Um, so that meant to um, follow the Lord like in all aspects of my life, like family, school, um, and in church, obviously, and in my quiet time. So that was just something that um, I kind of had a revelation about fairly recently about how to make him the main aspect in all of my life. So. Yeah. That's good. That's so good. When you think about those aspects with family, school, friends, sports teams, that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. um, when you say you made Jesus Lord of your life, what does that cost you or what have you had to give up in that process to do that? Because like just saying that is one thing, but like putting it to action means you're releasing things, surrendering things. What does it cost you to do that? So it cost me, it felt like a lot at the time. Um, <laughs> it cost me popularity. It wasn't always cool to like honor and respect people. Um, you know, the Bible calls us like honor your parents. It isn't always cool to do that. Um, it's not always cool to, for me, cussing was kind of a challenge. Um, it's not always cool to <laughs> not cuss and people like know that about me. And it's not cool just to have like the stereotypical lifestyle um, and just engaging in things of this world, whether, like you said, that's music or if it's um, just like other things that are temptations for you. Yeah. So in the middle of giving up things, surrendering things, what has been the biggest rewards, though? You know, you're giving things up. What has been the biggest rewards on the flip side that you're like, but this is so worth it because of this? Does that make sense, that yeah. question? Yeah. yeah. So looking back, oh, my goodness, there is so much, like, so such good like gains that I got um from like turning to Christ I've struggled with anxiety a lot 
um, in the past, and I still wrestle with it, but God gives us peace. He gives us an eternal peace, um, mm -hmm. one that this world can never fulfill. Joy um, is something, an eternal joy and an eternal hope, obviously. Like, we have eternal life in Christ, mm -hmm. guys, um, and just something that the world doesn't have access to. We have 100%, 24-7, 365 days a year access to God through the Holy Spirit, um, mm -hmm. and that's just something so incredible, like, to trade, oh, yeah, like, I mean, I can't have this relationship or, like, I don't really, God isn't calling me to, like, um, be popular in this moment. But, like, I'm trading it for joy and peace and hope and, like, eternal love. So, I mean, it's just such an incredible trade, like, looking yeah. comparing them. Yeah, that's so good. I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that there, Haley. And I, I mean this. You were someone who I remember in middle school like you were going around school at Lakeland, like handing out invite cards to what was Big Wednesday. Now it's Remix, but you were handing out cards like crazy and like a sign on and that kind of stuff. And I was like, that's not cool at all. No. <laughs> but you were living out your faith and trying to do that well, yeah. you know, and trying to bring friends on campus for that. You were all in for that. And I think about the way you have a relationship with your mom and dad. Like I know lots of students that struggle with their mom and dad. Just they got beef all the time. But you're someone who honors your parents well, who tries to do what they ask and do what they, you know, try to please them in all the things you do, whether they're there or not there. You're you're trying to please and honor them, and your relationship is gold, like so good, like you're so close to your parents, and it's so it's just so good to see, you know. Yeah. And um, I think some of those are like rewards you see down the road of seeing healthy relationships with family. You see that you're a leader amongst your friends and peers when you're honoring the Lord, seeking the Lord well. And so there's a lot that I could talk more about there, but I can see the God like God's blessing all over your life, yeah, just definitely. from you being faithful with being honored so well I appreciate y'all give a hand for Haley real quick thanks Haley I appreciate it I'm gonna put one main point on the screen real quick this is my main idea of the day we talked about I think it starts with is it Jesus that it says at the beginning Jesus invites you to surrender everything to gain the best thing Jesus invites you to surrender everything to gain the best thing. When he says, take up your cross and follow me, he's saying, die to yourself, your desires, your, your ways, and to live a life that follows the Lord. When he says, if you can't deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, then you cannot be my disciple, he's saying, if you're going to make Jesus Lord of your life, it requires you doing a little bit of heart surgery here and saying, Lord, I'm going to surrender the things that are on the throne of my heart now and give them to you and follow you with my life. To sell, distribute, and to follow.